Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manu Weff. And yes, it's just two people again. Uh, Andrew Flint is not available this week. He's, yeah, he's enjoying some hockey, uh, apparently playoffs. You know, his football team, FC Two Men, not doing so well, but <laughs> at least, uh, Ruben Two Men, his hockey team in the finals. Um, so yeah, um, have fun. Enjoy that, Andrew. We'll, we'll have you back next week, but, Joining me this week, um, kind of out and busy last week is Tim. Tim, how are you doing? Good. Good morning, man. I'm happy to be back. Yeah, sorry, I was uh, busy with work last week, so I missed uh, last week's poll, but I'm back and excited to talk uh, about some uh, events which happened this past week uh, and this week in Russian football. Yeah, you know, Tim, we've been chatting a lot about different, um, you know, maybe changing the theme music of our podcast. Hmm. Uh, we've talked about a bunch of different bands and possibly maybe your band doing one, but uh, I think I found it, Tim. I think I found, <laughs> found what I want as the new introduction song. I, I, I have to play this to you. It's it's really good. Hold on. Give me a second. <laughs> Let's do it. Top level, Champions League level. Yes, and all referees very open, very friendly. Smile, joke, shake your hand. He never say hello. He never say goodbye. He never shake your hand. He never asked me on my each question when I asked him why you didn't use the bar, for example. In the field. Most important, he has to do the right things and to make the right decisions. Yes, because he's arrogant. <laughs> he's too selfish. He thinks he's God, and all 21,000 people come to watch his game. It's not his game. He's like waiter. Yes, he must be around the game because he's only referee. It's a player's versus the most important people here. He thinks he's most important. I never say for 10 months, people, uh, men like here in, in Poland never shake hands, never say hello, never goodbye, never miss, never <laughs> explain his mistakes or not mistakes. Very arrogant, very selfish, and for me, absolutely the worst referee in the world what I see in my life. Brilliant. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, DJ Master Leonid Slutsky right here in the house. Um, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Fantastic. We already got to play his press conference last week. This, this wasn't different. <laughs> this was a one on one uh, with a Fox reporter in the Netherlands. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's this joke uh, happening in, in Russia. There's this band called Kravastok, it's a rap band hip-hop band like underground uh they um they're known for their for this kind of style um like fairly straightforward hip-hop beat and then uh, pretty much uh the the leader of the band is talking over and 
the lyrics, the lyrical content of this band is it's a little bit controversial because they use some, you know, some dark topics and some swearing. But at the same time, it's it's I really enjoy this. I think it's really clever the way they actually use the Russian language. Uh, but the, that that style is really pretty much talking over a hip hop beat. And uh, a few versions were done like that. And now it came to Leonid Slutsky and it's done perfectly. This is exactly how this band kind of sounds. So it's a very good, very good the band is called Krova Stock. So if anyone wants to check out and compare, that's exactly how it is. Fantastic. Yeah, we will we'll <laughs> get Leonid Slutsky to do our new title song. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, it's shared on the Twitter feed, the Football Grab Live Twitter feed. So if you if you want to find it, the video is up on that. Yeah, um, I mean, overall, he's he's still doing quite well in the Netherlands. He's seventh with Vitesse. Um, you know, we chatted a bit about this last week, but I think, you know, we, we sort of thought, okay, well, how is he going to do it abroad? He's, he's doing quite well. Um, fantastic rap career, doing great, uh, <laughs> doing great on the pitch as well. So good job. Good job. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy for him because yeah, he's really one of the uh, modern uh, top Russian coaches and not too many go abroad because of uh, the language and men and uh, mentality yeah. uh, barriers that he'd done this. Uh, yeah, maybe the experience at Hull wasn't exactly successful, but that was his first try. Uh, he got some experience and clearly he's doing uh, fairly successful in Holland. So I'm personally happy for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so from happy news, Tim, to another piece of news that I came across the desk, um, yesterday. And this is, this is something that I've been, you know, Ukrainian football is something that we do do. Um, but Ukraine got hit by another betting scandal and all this match fixing happens quite a bit there. Biggest problem. I mean, it happens in Russia as well. You know, we, we've had situations in Russia. Um, Andrew isn't on the pod today, but, um, his side, Ural, for example, Goncharenko left the club because of supposed match, fi match fixing all the way back in, I think it was in 2016. Um, but yeah, Ukrainian football hit big time by a bad sca batting scandal. PFC Sumi, a team that saw, um, Chinese investment in 2016 and uh, 2017, sorry, um, lost their license to play in the second division. After it's been found out that they, for the last 18 months, have been throwing games. So this is an ongoing investigation that the Football Federation of Ukraine is hoping to lay criminal charges on those people involved. Um, you know, we had an article, a few articles on match fixing in Ukraine football because even the big clubs, Metalist, have been hit. And um, sorry, Lohansk, in three years ago band actually had 11 of their youth players for um, match fixing youth games and the problem in ukraine is quite simple you know with the ongoing economic crisis some of the lower teams and players don't have income on a regular basis so the only way for them to supplement their money money on their income is by throwing games and usually it's like small bets like a throw in you know like a kickoff etc so um, I mean, Tim, it's something that the region gets hit with every once in a while, but it seems very systemic in Ukraine and altogether at the moment. 
Exactly, and I'm uh, see. I don't want to really justify that behavior in terms of like match fixing because yeah. really it uh, screws up all the sponsorship. But um, you can kind of understand why they're doing this. Uh, you know, we have the same example right now in the Russian Premier League, Anji, the club which has uh, the players haven't been paid uh, for eight months. Yeah. Just imagine going to work and not being paid, and even. And you know the uh, those the players who play for currently for for Anji, they're just young kids. They don't have like a previous contracts where they can could have made their money, and now they kind of okay, we have something to leave off. That's the situation of, in the smaller clubs, especially in at this level in in Ukraine. You don't really make any money, and sometimes you have issues with the financing. I don't not sure what was the story with the. the Asian investment uh, and uh, how successful was that? But at the same time, you know, I'm not surprised to see those stories at the lower level of football because, unfortunately, and especially in a country like Ukraine, where which is going for some tough times, a, from just purely government point of view, I don't think there's too much money in the in the in in that level of football. So the players have to survive somehow. If you choose your career as a football player, and let's say you're 23, 25 years old, you can't really do anything else. You can't really make income. Um, you can't. Really go drive a cab or do something. Um, again, I'm not justifying it by any chance because it's it's unacceptable and it ruins the whole sportsmanship of football. But I understand where they're coming from, and it's not only their issue; it's the issue of the whole league and the whole country. Yeah, it's one way to fight fight match fixing, right? But I think at, at the most at most importantly, you have to find fight the issues. The the root causes of it and the root causes mm -hmm. often especially you know when you look at the black book of um of fifa which is like determines how where clubs clubs not paying the salaries and how much money players earn and um, ukraine is often listed in this black book and that is really the the root cause of it all is you know you can fight match fixing as much as you want if you have players that are not paid you know, that have to take care of their families, then exactly. that's what they're going to do. Um, you know, it's unfortunately that is it, it. That's why it is systemic. We have, I mean, you mentioned Anshi. It's a great example because, um, you know, they had some weird results all season. Um, we had the situation with Tom Tomsk. Remember mm -hmm. that, right? Yeah. Where, where the entire squad was sold. Um, even Rostov. You know, from when in the season that they finished second, they decided not to play in a cup game because there was no money. Um, when you go down to the second division, uh, Vladivostok was also in a situation where they just could simply not pay their players. And then, um, I'm thinking back of Alanya Vladivakavkas that yeah, yeah. decided to throw games because they simply couldn't travel. Right. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I mean, it is life in the second division. In the, in the region can be very tough. Even in the first division in many places, there's a huge, huge gap between the top clubs and the lower clubs. And again, we don't want to defend it because it's not defendable, but I think it's very important to actually understand the root causes of it. Um, yeah, just, just on, on, on the kind of, uh, it's not really funny because it's sad, but still compared to Russia, I listened to a podcast that they talked about the issues with the club called Bolton Wanderers yeah. from England is having right now. And they said that the players haven't been paid for March. And according to whatever the FA rules, the players can leave on three on a free transfer after 
uh, I think two weeks of wages hasn't been paid, or maybe a month. Or some, I don't remember exactly. But I was just looking. Okay, so the whole squad of Anjima Hachkala now can leave for free, pretty much, and they won't have any players because I bet eight months as qualifies. But I guess they have a little bit different rules. But yeah, it's just different uh, scale of problems. They have the same rules, but I mean, it's one thing to be in England. Yeah, you know, and basically exercise your rights and then be in Dakistan and then try sure. to exercise your rights. I mean, uh, I, I think the, the rules are there. The FIFA rules say that, you know, you can, you can cancel your contract, but there's, there's rules and laws and then there's reality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, in Germany, there's a saying to be right and be given right. It's two <laughs> very different things. <laughs> exactly. Um, Glad we're talking about laws and rules though, Tim, because, um, you know, we're going from one case to another. And, uh, <sighs> your player, Goliath, uh, midfielder mm-hmm. that we praised highly when he was signed by Spartak in, in the winter. We thought he, he would, you know, have a big impact and, um, really help Spartak, especially in that midfield role. Well, he certainly had an impact <laughs> <laughs> on somebody's nose. Yeah. Um, happened to get in a car accident, well, happened to get into an altercation, beating up someone. That person turned out to be an American and, um, he more or less priped his way out of the situation, didn't he? By saying, okay, I'll just pay all your doctor bills, which is the right thing to do, by the way. But, um, got to walk out of the police station without any further charges. Now, the reaction of this has been Spartak issued, um, a fine and banned him to the second club, right? Mm hmm. And, uh, when you look at the, the reactions throughout Russian media, I did a piece on that on footballgrad.com. Uh, Lebedev, um, he, for example, said that I think he surprised, he was surprised that after the, uh, or while the Kokori Mamaev case is going on, we're going to talk about that in a second. Footballers are still doing this, you know. Two things here. A, why is Gulia, like, why is this seems to be systemic? And B, why do you have someone, uh, a representative to the state Duma pointing this out? Uh, you know, lots to talk about here. Yeah, unfortunately, it's a completely disgraceful story and I'm absolutely not pleasant to talk about it because again, that has to talk. Uh, have to do with my club, but honestly, when when Guliev came and I saw the pre preseason games at the match Premier Cup and a few games he played, I was so excited because he he is the player I hope, uh, and I was you know will be will play this important role because really we don't have a player of his kind. He is he has been in the academy from youth age and like he's been forever in, in Spartak so. He, you know, he was brought up by the club. Yes, he was uh, loaned out to Andre and then sold to Rostov, but uh, with the um, option to to be bought back. And when he back, it was like really like your your academy player gained some experience elsewhere and is coming back. And you know, it was exciting and he showed it on the field. But this case is absolutely disgraceful. I hate to talk about it, but pretty much what happened, he was driving, I believe, his Mercedes, some fancy car. And uh, the gentleman was just uh, passing by and had a little touch on his automobile. So he ran out of the car, started yelling at him and uh, started trying to start the conflict. But um, the the gentleman 
uh, just tried to avoid it and try not to talk to to Ayaz Goliev. Ayaz Goliev ran back to the scar, then came back again and started beating up uh, poor gentleman, honestly, for, for for absolutely nothing. Yeah, you, you touched your he touched your car a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not, it, it's very hard to see the video; it's really blurry, so you can't really see what's happening there. Maybe the person was I don't know a little bit. I don't know. Was was slowly passing on the on the traffic light, but it's definitely not the reason to beat someone up. And it's absolutely disgrace. He was sent to the second team. He was fined five million rubles, and his uh, monthly salary is one million. Oh, sorry, six million rubles. So pretty much his monthly uh, wages. And yeah, like you said, he pretty much bribed his way out of the story because he really realized that he made one of those. Unfortunately, um, bad stories which happened in Russian football recently. He paid, I think, 150,000 rubles, 115,000 rubles uh, to cover the medical bills and um, really, really apologized. And he realized that he made a big mistake and then he issued a statement apologizing in the front of the fans. But honestly, that didn't go well at all with the, the, the Spartak fans. It's, it's really like, honestly... Um, if, unfortunately, we have this big example of Kakorin and Mamayev, which we will talk about. Um, yes, you're not involved in it, but that's a big lesson. Like honestly, like it's even if you, yeah, if you have nothing to do to that behavior, it just shows you. Listen, like you have to be careful. And this is this is this is absolutely disgraceful. I really hate to talk about it because he really he disgraced the whole club because this is really not the the behavior of the club with the history of the club we have and. Um, it's unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, like, Kora and Mamayev are now um, in jail to wait a hearing in September, Tim. Mm-hmm. And they could face seven years in jail for hooliganism. Now, they, they have to prove that what they did on that fateful night was uh, pre-planned. <laughs> <laughs> no idea how they're going to prove that. Um, I think the court is basically holding them in jail until they give in and admit it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, that seems to be the strategy. I mean, I, I personally think what they've done. Um, I, I think they deserve to be in jail, but seven years for hooliganism seems to be a bit. <laughs> you know, I mean, they've been in jail now for six months. Not, yeah, six months, and by the time the hearing comes around, it will be almost a year. That seems to be an appropriate sentence, in my opinion. Because it, it, it was bad what they did. But, I mean, we look at this Guliev case, we look at the statements, what the Lebedev made, and you really get the sense that they really just want to set an example here. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 been used, like as Kakorin Mamai have been used as, a, used as an example, and... Uh, yeah, Goliath as well. It's the same story. It's the same story of uh, the uh, players, uh, young footballers getting a significant amount of money and feeling that power and feeling that they really can do anything they want uh, on, a, on a different scales because obviously the, the level where we have uh, Kakorin and Mamayev. And also, I, I should also include the captain of my club, Denis Glushakov, who is still going for divorce with his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And there are still some dark sto- done, uh, and unpleasant stories coming coming out. And uh, honestly, like, see, this is this is, this is a little bit, I'll do it a little bit, Spartak focus for, uh, for a minute. Because um, 
that's the issue. Like uh, the fans are really against Koshakov and they have uh, banners and they really chant throughout the games and they boo him because he's the captain of the club and they say that he needs to leave the club. Um, and I think that's the issue because honestly, in this in this circumstances, which happened with Guliev, with that um, car case and uh, breaking someone on someone else's nose, what the captain of the club should do, she should talk to him and say, listen, you cannot behave like this when you play for, for a top club. But how can, how can he talk to Guliev like that when he has his own issues and when he has his own very disgraceful statements, which he went uh, made to his ex-wife and like his overall behavior, what he's doing. So that's that's the issue. Like honestly, like, he's not setting an example, um, and he doesn't really have the right right now to talk to Guliev and say, "Listen, you you cannot do this." And then Guliev say, "Hey, buddy, you do this because I learned it from you." So um, honestly, things which are happening in Russian football and unfortunately in my club as well, I sometimes are getting pretty pretty dirty and disgraceful. And um, yeah, I hope that's that's the end of that story. Yeah, and maybe maybe a bit systemic. On the yeah. other hand, there's plenty of footballers that know how to behave themselves. So yeah, for example, we have Roman Zobnin and Georgi Georgi Jikia, yeah. who are just impeccable people and yeah. do stuff. Jikia does a lot of stuff for his community in Balashiha, and like there's so many different other players who yeah. So it's not doom and gloom, but unfortunately, those cases come up. Yeah, they stick out, right? Like I thought some. Yeah. Uh, um, what did off stick out to me this week, Tim? <laughs> He, and this is the goal of the week, absolutely. Cameroonian forward Ivudu Ikoko playing for Yenisei's women's team with an amazing bicycle kick. That league kicked off um, last week because they play the old schedule from um, spring to fall. What in a goal, Tim. I mean, perfectly exercised bicycle kick to win it for Yenisei um, against Chetovano, I think they played. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, we don't talk about women's football too much in Russia, mostly because not a lot of women play football in Russia. It's unfortunately, um, I, I looked up these numbers, uh, 30,000 women play in football in Russia. Um, 11,000 of them have amateur status, and there's only eight teams in the Russian Premier League. Um, unfortunately, there's still a bit of a stigma when it comes to women playing football in Russia. And that's... You know, really too bad, especially when you see them play and the, the level that they play and perform quite well. Yeah, like even on a national team level, they're obviously not at the top level, but they participate in different tournaments and they play games. And uh, definitely, yeah, the, the interest is not there. Like, yeah, dances are just non-existent. And yeah, there's no interest in the club. I think there's two kind of you have to look at from two ways. Obviously, there's, like you said, the stigma on the women football and... Um, and um, yeah, compared to the Russian Premier League, um, obviously there's um, yeah there's there's the different vision, and also I think the, I I don't think there's enough attention, yeah, uh, development and really because like for example in 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 England like when you listen to their um, podcasts or their to other shows like they always try to plug it in. There's definitely you know you see that message and they just give the information to the people that this that this sport exists. I don't I don't know when the last time on match TV I heard anything really focused on women's football. So yeah, there's the, the development is not there. But again, that doesn't really uh, disregard in any way, shape, or form the beautiful goal uh, that this Cameroonian uh, forward scored. It was just really beautiful. If you look it up, uh, Cameroonian Evodo Ekodo. I obviously never heard 
of uh, them playing. But uh, yeah, I discovered a great, uh, yeah, great goal. And um, funny thing which I noticed is that uh, you know they play on that um, on the indoor. Yeah. Which was a really big uh, sense of questions for Unicea because when when they wanted to play inside indoor because of the weather conditions they were not allowed, and then I, we saw them playing inside that 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 indoor facility. Yeah, I guess uh, some rules only apply to men. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a big case about that in in the United States, right? With uh, the women's the women's team basically suing because they have to play on artificial turf when it comes to the World Cups and the men don't. Um, I think there is a double standard. It's very unfortunate that there is, there shouldn't be, but there is. Um, so maybe something to watch out for, but yeah, I mean, she's also the first African to play in the women's league. Uh, that's another, I mean, not only did she score the most amazing goal in Russian football this week, but she's Mm -hmm. also the first African woman to play in Russia. So yeah, really good for her. Um, it's, it's really cool. Um, to just look at the, I looked at the teams. Only uh-huh. Lokomotiv and CSKA Moscow of the big sides have a women's team. You know, you see in England c- quite a bit in Germany now too that the, the big teams or the big man teams all get, uh, are more and more investing into the, the women's side of the game. Maybe only a question of time until that happens in Russia as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it has to be, uh, uh, something done from on the, the FA level to make sure that, uh, you know, every club has a women team. Uh, and I think it isn't how it's done. I think it's some um, because that's what they've done. That the the U twenty ones or I don't know how they called how they the English equivalent, but they call them like the youth teams. Uh, like here we have the youth the youth league plus we have Spartak two and like Krasnodar two and clubs like this. Yeah. But yeah, it was mandatory that when you join a uh, Russian Premier League, you have to have a squad because they have their own tournament, which is uh, play, the games that they played uh, the day before. Uh, like like in many leagues, uh, but that was mandatory. So if you join Russian Premier League, you have. So I think the, that thing about uh, women's football has to be done on the FA level, and then um, the club would have to, you know, they they would have to obey and develop uh, the the game. Yeah, in Germany, uh, there's women's football is a bit more of a tradition, right? There's a lot of teams. There's a clubs out there in German football that have completely independent women clubs, like Erste uh, FFC Frankfurt, for example, were very successful. Uh, Probina Potsdam is another very successful club. They're completely standalone women's teams. But then, of course, Bayern München have mm-hmm. a, have a very successful women's team. Uh, for example, Wolfsburg do as well. Um, and in England, they, I think... Wolfsburg were in the Champions League. Yeah, they've won the Champions League. On, won on the several, Champions League. Yeah, on several occasions. Their women's team is a lot better than the men's team. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, I mean, is also something that they wouldn't get very much attention for. And that's wrong, but... You know, in England, I think it's almost mandatory now that the men's teams have women's teams as well, and you know, to grow the sport. And I think that is maybe a good idea. Um, When you look at Russia, to just say like, look, you big teams, just take a little bit of your money and invest it into their game and and help it grow, because um, they are a little bit behind in that terms. So. Yeah, cool story. Um, I'm glad we finally got to actually chat a little bit about women's football because I've, I'm the first person to admit it. We don't do it often enough. So um, maybe try to keep a little bit of an eye on this and when stories emerge, try to cover them as well. Um, next item, Tim, blue lines, oh, a blue line on the field at Zenit. Look pretty cool, but uh, I'm not sure. Um, Look kind of a little bit like advertising too, didn't it? 
Yeah, I think it's. I think it looked. Uh, I understand the motive because the lion is the kind of unofficial um, logo or like the unofficial animal of the club and the city. There's way too not way too many. There's many um, figures of uh, lions in the city, so it kind of makes sense. But uh, in the recent game at home, they put it in the center circle. Uh, the the figurine of lion and to me it looked it looked, to me maybe it was because just it was something new but to me it looked weird like it was yeah. it was a little bit just distracting it's cool design but uh, well I'm mostly biased but uh, but yeah that that was a little bit distracting me from the highlights which I watched yeah Umgani got like the the lion tattoo tattooed on his yeah. back massive thing uh, I mean. The lion is the symbol of the club that I support, so I'm cool with lions. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so, I don't know. I actually don't know how this is um, legal from the law point of rule because I remember the issue when the Leicester City, when they had this cool person who was doing a different lines on the on the pitch without yeah, drawing, just right. just doing the the grass like how the, the grass cutting. Then they were banned from doing that for whatever reason. So putting a line in the center circle, I don't know how 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 does that qualify for this rule? Because you're also not supposed to put advertising on the grass, right? So like, what's the next step? Can you put like advertising? Like, can you exactly. like, cut the grass in a way so that you have like I don't know the name of a betting company <laughs> on like, the field? Like, what? how about they have like football grad podcast? Huh? Uh, that's a great idea. We'll pitch it. <laughs> Just like football grad podcast, like. Right in the middle of the field. Uh, I'll ask the UEFA maybe they can put it down in the Champions League so we can get massive exposure. Um, yeah, so so that's that. Um, one last piece of news that I came across. There's always this debate. I don't really pay too much attention to it, Tim, but you know I had to put it on there because this affects your club. Another story that affects your club. Um, Leonid Fidun, could he ever, would he ever sell the club? Um, yeah, there- we always have those rumors floating around, um, and especially recently, the, the new person who is potentially um, considered to be a buyer is Usmanov. Um, yes. He is, and actually not even him, but maybe his son, but it's obviously Usmanov's family money to, to buy. Uh, but again, it's just, just rumors which are floating around. There's obviously no offers, no nothing. There, was a, a, there were a few uh, very rich, uh, wealthy uh, Russian people who are interested potentially in buying a club, and that was the rumors. But pretty much from what I understand is that um, Fidun is doesn't really want to sell, but if he were to sell the club, he wants $1 billion for that. And, and the way this number came up is pretty much he counted all the expenses which he occurred over, uh, over the whatever, how many years he has been owning the club. And pretty much he wants to get all his money back. And that's, I'm not sure if this is a realistic number. Um, and that sounds like, you know, a lot of money, but yeah, to me at least. Um, but yeah, like, you know, it's um, Fidon is a very interesting character in that sense because um, when he bought the club, uh, we saw the connection with the massive oil company, Look Oil. But then we saw his kind of business motive in that uh, transaction that he really wanted to get this uh, land um, yeah. for to build a stadium. But it's not only the stadium, he has a massive real estate project going on. And it's also not only a footballing decision, it is a business decision. And he needed to get um, this a lot of land for the stadium and the areas surrounding the stadium to build this massive um, real estate project. So... To be honest, I'm not sure 
what's the ratio between his interest in football and his still being excited and interested in football and the status which gives him an attention which gives him as a person as being the Spartak's owner versus on the other uh, side of things uh, that real estate project which is con- uh, currently being built being built and eventually will be sold and it's pretty much his, his business project I don't know what the ratio between those things right now if he's still interested in football it looks like he is but at the same time uh, every single tra- uh, coach which worked in Spartak and especially the foreign ones they were um, really surprised by the distance between the owner of the club and the, t- in the football team because some Coaches even said, I think it was Michael, Michael Laudrup, or maybe it was Emery, and they said that really the coach came in in the first game before, after the first game of the season, and after the last game of the season, he stepped down to the to the dressing room, and that was the only communication between him, uh, between the owner and the players. And he said, I, I felt like it was very strange. We have examples like Sergei Galitsky in Russia who goes to see U14 play. Yeah. And and is at the stadium or sorry at the training camp every single day uh, he there's even their story that he um, flies sometimes on his helicopter uh, just to because he's a busy person but uh, to you know kill the traffic and be there as soon as possible he flies in on his helicopter and then watches u14 train so like this is the dedication our owner is really i don't know if he's interested or, or not and um, that's why sometimes the rumors when those rumors arise uh, that he's potentially can sell the club it's pretty much uh, gets a very good reception from the fans uh, with a very optimistic uh, you know expectations yeah uh, the Toshino airfield of course is the exact huge piece of land that I mean if you have when you were there at the World Cup um, it's a big big area and I can't see him sell it um, because the reason he has that is because of the club the club is pretty much tied to the land deal exactly um, you know a, a nice piece of business you could you could describe him as a hands-off owner Tim. exactly yeah that's that's a nice uh, positive way of describing it sometimes an <laughs> owner is not mindling is a good thing he, he does he does mindle whenever he wants to fire a coach sometimes the wrong one <laughs> but we don't get into that. We'll, we'll yeah. get to talk yes. about Spartak in just a moment. Because, Tim, um, let's look at some of the results for this weekend, shall we? Um, mm-hmm. uh, also, maybe look ahead um, to what is going to be a really big weekend next weekend. But, yeah, the results were uh, Krilja Sovetov beat Ruben Kazan. I guess it's kind of like the Volga derby. Um, that's actually one of the first games I've ever seen in Russian football was Krilja Sovetov against Ruben Kazan all the way back wow. in 2007 in Kazan. So Krilya Sovetov, Ruben Kazan, 1-0. Yenisai Ufa, 0-0. Uh, big implications there in the relegation battle. Speaking of implications in the relegation battle, CSKA Moscow, 2. Orenburg, 3. Arsenal, Tula, 0. Ural, 0. Now we know why Andrew isn't here. <laughs> Ahmad Krosny, 1. Lokomotiv, Moscow, 3. Uh, they scored more than two goals, Tim. Uh, note that down. Dynamo, <laughs> Moscow, 1. Krasnodar, 1. Zenit 5, Angie 0. There's one of your odd results right there. Rostov 2, Spartak Moscow 1. Ooh. Oof. Oof. Where should we start? Ah, where shall we start? I, I, I think we have to start at the very top. Um, you know, I, I got, I was set up so nicely last week. Yeah. With my prediction <laughs> and, the, you know, the big match coming up, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Krasnodar, 
drop the ball like uh yeah this why you know every time they come close they they do something like this one one against Dinamo Moscow the gap is now back to um six points to Zenit with only seven games left that's quite substantial I mean yes um they do play each other next week so they could close it again to three but even then that might not be enough when you really think about it because it's not that many games left yeah it's kind of like you know the results fits into the whole narrative which i had doubts um about krasnodar and again like um, I like the club and I want them to succeed, but I don't think they have enough experience winners and like the the players who have experience of winning trophies and winning a league enough. And I think it's still a young club and uh, I think it's a little bit too soon for them to fight for, for the trophy because you'll get results like this. They don't have this like the killer instinct. Um, they're not ex- experienced enough. And I think for them logical step right now to get experience through through uh, Champions League and have yet get them younger their young players an uh, experience but also something needs to be happened to note that um, there was a referee controversy because according allegedly the Karsandar um, had a pretty much clear cut penalty uh, the the ball hit the hand of the dynamo player uh, but the penalty wasn't given so that's obviously you know didn't really help them uh, but this is not the first result when krasnodar is you know kind of losing those uh, points with the side which were, were in the game where should get three but the same i still hopeful for the next week um, i hope they they will win sorry next week this saturday they're playing against um, zenit and I really hope that uh, Krasnodar can get three points and close that gap to three points. And who knows, maybe Zenit will get nervous. But again, hopefully that's not just only wishful thinking. It's still a massive game. Yeah. You know, it's, it is still the game between first or oh, the third because of the, um, I believe it's because of the head-to-head with Lokomotiv, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this goal differential is not the the, the decisive factor here. Um Krasnodar actually have the best goal differential of the top three, but um, the Lokomotiv has the positive result against them. So, but still, I mean, it's first against third or second, uh, depending on how you how you see it. And uh, so it's still going to be a massive game, and it's still a game, you know, that for Krasnodar, I would say this is their final chance. Yeah, absolutely. And and that sets it up really nicely. So if you wanna if you wanna watch that game. That game will be pretty much at prime time on Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're in in Europe, that will be around. Will be at 8 p.m. in Central European time. It's seven o'clock in the UK, 11 a.m. for us. So Tim, we don't even have to get up that early for it. Yeah, um, which is kind and of. And nice. Russian Premier League has now free games on YouTube. So yeah. if you just Google um, Russian Premier League on YouTube, you can watch this game for free. So it's it's a, that game will be a beautiful advertisement. For the Russian Premier League, because the the stadium in Krasnodar is beautiful, it will be full, and the two probably two out of three best teams of the season will be playing. Both teams try to play attacking football. Krasnodar does a little bit more successfully, um, but yeah, that's the we highly as a football grad grad team we highly recommend you on Saturday uh, to watch Krasnodar scene. Yeah, absolutely, and there's probably going to be a preview on this game as well. Uh, on footballgrad.com simply because of all the implications. It's it's going to be a fascinating watch. I I personally think if Zenit win this game, they're through. It's done. It's yeah. done. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, for Krasnodar, I mean, they have to win this game. And on top of that, you know, hope for other results. Um, but, you know, Tim, um, speaking of the title race, they, we already mentioned this, there is a team sandwich between the two in Lokomotiv. You know, silently, quietly, still exactly. out there, beat Ahmed Cross and he's 3-1. I know I said that they were on the road in the Caucasus. Not an easy thing to do. And uh, beat Ahmad Kosny 3-1. Um, big result for them. Um, I already said it. They scored more than two goals. Doesn't happen very often. One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts. Beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. That's sets them up really nicely for the Moscow derby against CSKA. You know. it, exactly. Another huge game which will happen two hours before uh, Krasnodar Zenit. And this game is, like you said, absolutely massive because the point differential between Lokomotiv and CSKA is only two points. Lokomotiv and Krasnodar are in that Champions League places and CSKA is right behind them. Uh, and uh, honestly, if if Lokomotiv wins, then then CSKA is really will be find themselves in a tough a tough position. Otherwise, if CSKA wins, obviously they will be in in this um, Champions League position, depending how Krasnodar plays against Zenit. So it is it is two. It's Saturday's crucial game for the Champions League and for the trophy position. That's a massive game and also interesting to see how Lokomotiv and CSKA will play because uh, obviously as we know, Lokomotiv had a great game. Yuri Sermin really, really um, um, complimented his his team this time. He doesn't do that very often but he said that, yeah, that was definitely our, one of our best games and he said that the at, in the attack they played just brilliantly. Uh, Yuri Sermin doesn't really give that many compliments that often, but he was very, very uh, praising his players, which is, you know, obviously good things for the Lokomotiv players and fans. And Zeskar lost the game to Orenburg uh, absolutely unexpectedly. Uh, they had Mario Fernandes being uh, booked uh, twice within 20 or something minutes and uh, have been shown the red card. So Zeskar lost 3-2 at home to Orenburg and really, really... Um, complicated their situation yeah they did um i mean it's it's they are now uh, on 40 points uh, two points behind those two champions league spots but um i think csga pretty much now ruled out of the title race champions league race yes title race no done and dusted but i need why not kind of want to talk about orenburg and, and this will tie into um, your club as well tim get to the get there in a moment Seventh now, mm-hmm. Orenburg. 
that's remarkable. I mean, this is a club that had a hard time the first time around. You know, they, they got promoted into the Russian Premier League. Um, they really established themselves as a as a club and playing a very good season. And seven, you remember, six could be enough for Europa League this year. Mm-hmm. And and they are definitely um, one of the brightest spots of uh, this season. Uh, their coach uh, Fedotov in the first half of the season uh, gave his now famous interview where he talked about XG and all the you know modern visions how to coach a team and how the football works and he was really really impressed lots of people lots of people people in football knew that about him but as a football public we didn't and he really showed himself as a very progressive and very interesting coach and the results show it's not like of course like you know i can know about xg but i won't yeah. be able to coach a premier league team but the um, orenburg they're now like you said they're on um, on seventh place uh, they came back from FNL and they obviously already secured the the spot the spot in Premier League for next year. And yes, they're not too far away uh, from this um, race from Europa League. I, I think it's definitely will be way too early for them because it will be uh, Ufa example like we discussed a couple episodes again all over again. Yeah. But but it just shows that Russia can produce um, good coaches and. Most of the players in Edinburgh squad are Russians, and uh, you know people, who, players who came from FNL level. And Andrew says that a lot. He says that really there's not that much difference between the last team in and and in, in FNL and the first team. And you can see that there's some talented players who just need a little bit more confidence and uh, good coaching. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, um, FNL is a good example of what happens when there is parity in terms of finance, right? Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a great example. Um, I'm saying that six might be enough, depending on, of course, on who going to win the Russian Cup. Um, they have played the first leg of the semifinals. Ural beating Tula. Um, Rostov and Lokomotiv Moscow on the other semifinal, 2-2. Um, the second legs are in May. And then we'll find out, um, who's going to make the, the final. And if Lokomotiv win it, of course, six spot will be a Europa League spot. Of course, if Rostov make it through, then it doesn't really matter. Um, so yeah, that's heating up. Speaking of Rostov, Tim, oh. they're now just one point behind Spartak. Oh, and well deserved. So yeah, uh, they just won at home uh, against Spartak 2-1. Uh, Rostov, the absolutely brilliant atmosphere, sold out uh, facility. That's one of the World Cup stadiums. Great atmosphere and Rostov were just uh, a better team. Uh, Spartak had the ball, had the possession, but they were just passing around the ball without any any progress. Uh, no one really amongst fans understand what what our team plays, what kind of football we play. It's really it's all all over the place. We there's there's no strategy. At the same time, Rostov, who are coached by Valery Karpin, who is former Spartak player, uh, player and coach, and he was considered as a coach after firing of Massimo Carrera. He showed a beautiful uh, plan. Um, he was sitting back. Maybe it was not pretty, but um, he got the result. Now they are only one point, one point behind the Europa League spot. And it, his plan was exercised just brilliantly. It is known that Spartak is not very good physically uh, ready. 
And um, for 60 minutes, Rostov, they were playing very, very defensive and very cautious. Yes, they had some chances, but they're more cautious. After 60 minutes, when Spartak was going down physically, uh, Valery Kapin did two beautiful um, substitutions. And uh, one of the players, Eldor Shodburodov, I probably not pronounced this correctly, scored the goal. At the same time, Spartak coach Alekonov made uh, substitutions and none of the players who came on made any impact. You just see the really the difference in coaching at the current state between teams and Rostov. Uh, even maybe not playing the most beautiful game, they definitely overplayed Spartak. They were a better team and they deserved three points and they were a better team on the night. Coaching. Oleg Kononov. Oh. You know, was it the wrong decision to hire him? Uh, well, the wrong decision, in my opinion, was firing of Massimo Carrera. Let's yeah. begin there. That's... And, I've said this opinion many, many times, and I still have Massimo Carrera on all my profile pictures everywhere. But, um, yeah, Ali Kononov was definitely... Uh, I when when came on, I have I had nothing really against him, but he was setting up for such a tough job. The the club is in a weird situation. There's conflicts all over the place. There's the new Ayazgaliev conflict. There there are some interesting situations in the team within the squad and he really got a very tough job and I don't think he is capable to to manage that whole scenario it is a tough 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 gig to to do right now Spartak is a mess yeah. uh, well mess maybe it's a big of the word but it's definitely a very very tough job and when he was taking this job he was setting up for a very tough position and it looks like he's not able to do it because the team Even with some, we had some good results, uh, but recently losing the derby to CSKA and again without really many chances, losing to Rostov and really um, when when Massimo Carrera was around, we were one uh, we were one point behind uh, the Champions League spots and behind uh, you know that the actual. Now we are what how six many? points, six points, and how many from Zenit? Because Zenit that was the the team we were kind of aiming for, and now we are twelve points. Know, 12 points behind Zenit. So, so the results speak for itself. We're out yeah. of the cup. We're um, not uh, competing for Champions League and we're losing to direct opponents and without playing any uh, football because really, I don't really understand what the team plays for. I, I don't really understand. He was speaking about, oh, we're going to play this legendary Spartak style and passing game and um, the game through the possession. And um, But yeah, we have possession, but mostly between two central defenders. Oh, great. Yeah, maybe Valerie Karpin would have been the better choice. Oh, for me, definitely. Yeah. Uh, right, right now, the, the conversation is that Stanislav Cherchesov is at some point will be the next Spartak coach. Maybe not the next one, maybe the one after. But again, it has to do directly with the Russian national team. But so Stanislav Cherchesov has a very, very uh, big Spartak roots. He is Spartak person. He played three times for the club. And there's a definite connection because every time he comes to see Spartak um, play at home at Kriti Arena just to watch the players for, for the national team, he sits in the VIP uh, lounge with the, all the top executives of Spartak. So there's definitely a relationship and everyone says that eventually he will be a Spartak Moscow coach. But obviously his main job is right now Russian Russian national team and he's doing quite well. Yeah, he's, I think he's, you know considering the skepticism that he received in the beginning when he started coaching Russia. Exactly. And then what he'd done at the World Cup and um, the way Russia is playing now, it, it's hard to imagine him going anywhere. Um, speaking of clubs going somewhere, um, before we round this up, um, 
the relegation battle. Tim, Dynamo Moscow picked up a point against Krasnodar, but are still in the relegation spot now. Um, this is again because of the head-to-head, right? Could they go down again? Or do you think they're simply too strong? And, you know, we talked about this last week, that given that there's so many clubs in the second division that do not want to go up uh, for various reasons. Do you think they're simply too strong to go down again? Or is this a real possibility? I think, you know, the real possibility is them playing the relegation game. I don't think they will get to straight relegation because we have two very strong candidates and strong being used in the quotation. Yeah. Uh, Angie and Unisei, I think they're those teams that doomed. They really have gone through some tough times. Begging to go down. Yeah, exactly. But uh, now Moscow, I, I won't be surprised if they will be playing a relegation uh, playoff. They've been flirting with that zone for, for the whole season. Yeah. Um, they didn't. It was a slight improvement, but honestly, the results didn't improve. And plus, I'm looking at their calendar. They still have to play Zenit. They still have to play CSKA. Both teams will be very, very motivated. They still have to play Rostov. Uh, again, the team which potentially might be fighting for uh, Europa League. And also, they have to play Ahmad Grozny, Arsenal, Tula. And direct rivals, Krilia Soveta. So it's, it doesn't look like it's an easy calendar. Uh, they playing against team which all all those team has has to fight for something. And like I said, I won't be surprised uh, if they will be playing this relegation playoff. But then we would have to see who they will face and uh, if this team will be motivated to join the Premier League uh, for the next season. And but yeah, uh, you know, the, unfortunately, you know, this whole really farce situation with their stadium which was supposed to be open in the beginning of this part of the season and still not ready and uh, the fans are still you know the fans are just going crazy and like what are you doing like it has been uh, decades of disgrace from the Dynamo management yeah. and if another relegation playoff happens and and you know in two games anything could happen so like I said I, I won't be surprised because really their season de- deserves to be at least part of this relegation playoff. No, I, I agree. I think, <laughs> I, I literally think that their saving grace might be that currently, you know, um, no one of these, the second division wants to go up. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we have an article up on that on uh, footballgrad.com. <laughs> and uh, so you, the, the first team, first in the second division is Tampoff. They want to go up. They, yeah. they, you know, they've said that they will want to go up. They will go up. Uh, it looks like Tom Tomsk, second, looking very good. No, nope, not interested. Don't want to <laughs> go up. <laughs> Don't have the money. Um, Avangard Kursk probably wouldn't get the license. They're third. <laughs> Sochi will go up. I mean, as it stands right now, the two teams ahead of them don't want to go up. So they will go up. Uh, yeah. I think everyone in Russia that has any kind of money. Yeah. They want them to go up. So you have Tom Thompson, Avangard Kursk not wanting to go up. And then we're already in fifth place. Uh, that's Chetanova. Don't want to go up. Yeah, because they're, yeah, they're too big for them. I they don't have a stadium, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're currently playing in Lushniki Park. And I don't mean the Lushniki Stadium. They're playing in the park. Um, <laughs> Shinik Yaroslava? Nope. Can't. Don't want to. Right? So we have already Sochi and Tampov go up for sure. Shinik <laughs> uh, Yaroslava is, is a no. Nizhny Novgorod, World Cup Stadium. Cool. Yeah, they want to. Um, so that would be a potential opponent for Dynamo, I guess. Um, then in eighth place, you have Krasnodar, two. Can't Which go up. Not allowed, yeah. And then you have Mordovia Saransk already in ninth spot. World Cup Stadium. I guess they would want to go up. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they don't can't attract anyone to go to the games. So, <laughs> and then in eleventh spot, Skarhabarovsk. They, they said they want to go up. Um, but yeah, so you you see, it's a bit of a mess because like you have basically a lab. You could see um, a team as far as seventh place go up <laughs> because of teams not wanting to go down, uh, not wanting to get promoted. You don't hear that very often, but it's a reality in the second division. Um, so yeah, I mean, we get to talk about the second division a bit more when Andrew is back next week because we we have this issue of teams not wanting to go up. And um, that goes all the way through the pyramid because there's teams in the third division that also don't want to go up either. So Andrew's team might be safe after all. But as I said, we'll, we'll probably want to talk about this a bit more next week. Um, but Tim, yeah, it looks like Dinamo could be just safe by finishing where they are because we don't even know who they're going to play or if anyone wants to play them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it will be 3-0, 3-0 at both games because their opponents won't show up because they don't really care if we go yeah. to the top level. It doesn't happen very often, but that's the reality of Russian football. Well, Tim, we're done. All the topics. That's good. That's good. I think I think we had a very diverse fight. We covered lots of topics. Yeah. Nothing really major big, but we covered a lot from Slutsky rap to Guliev scandal yeah. and to, from Dynamo potentially playing relegation versus Mardovia Saransk, who are in 10th place. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Well, Tim, what can you plug this week? Um... Oh, man, I have a lot of stuff to plug. First of all, the release of my album came out last week, and it has been very successfully released uh, released and received. You can find out under Russia Russian Team and Pavel Vores on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, Bandcamp, under Rocket from Russia, Bandcamp.com. And uh, this Saturday, we have an album release show. It's a big show. We'll have... Um, five uh, bands playing with us and it's our big headlining show where I rented a, a fairly large hall well compared to the places we play it's 250 300 capacity which is you know mm. significant for us so obviously I'm really plugging it everywhere I've done many interviews I've done many podcasts on the band stuff and really trying to plug the show as hard as I can because really I need to I hope it's going to be a good event so that's the album is out already. You can check it out on the Russian team and Palabras pretty much anywhere. And the show at the Wise Hall on Saturday. Uh, if you're in Vancouver, do this. Yeah, give it, give it a, give it a go. Go for it. Uh, I'll tweet sure. this out too, Tim. Make Thank sure that, pe- that people uh, find out about it. Yeah, I don't have that much to plug. Um, just the Europa League and Champions League previews. They're all up on uh, football uh, fußballstadt.com. Uh, we're covering those games. Um, Chris is in Porto right now. So yeah, check oh, nice. those out. Yeah, they can all be found at Football Grad Live, and you can follow me at Manuel Vef. Well, guys, that's it. End of show. Until next week, das Vedania. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.